What's up? This is Dominique Bomonte, and you are listening to Season with Salt, the podcast. Father God, this morning we thank you for your goodness. We thank you again for the privilege to come before your people. We pray for your anointing this morning, that it would rest on us, Father God. We pray, God, that you be the speaker. Have your way this morning through your word. In the name of Jesus. And God will give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on and just give the Lord another hand praise. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. And we certainly want to give honor and deference to our pastor in the person of Superintendent Tolliver. And to our first lady in her absence. Can we praise God for her? And to all of the Lord's people, we're so happy to see you this morning. Thank God for our men's department. Let's give a hand praise to Elder Smith and Elder Sylvester and all those that support them. I counted uh, a privilege to stand before you. We're going to go quickly to the word of the Lord uh, this morning. How many of you know that the Lord is a healer? That was... That was mediocre at best. So I'm going to try it again because I know we got some healed folks here. I said, how many of you know that the Lord is a healer? Hallelujah. Now, there might be people here who have some sickness in their body and they need a little boost of faith. And so maybe that person is unsure about God's capability. But I know we got some people in here that can testify with their hands and their feet, so I'm going to try that again. How many of you know that God is a healer? wanted to make the devil mad just real quick because I want the devil to know that no matter how I feel in my body that God is a healer
If there's anybody who was questioning God's ability to heal, did you see all those people praising? Did you see all that unprompted praise? Somebody went through a surgery and the, and the prognosis was dim. And the doctor said other people have gone through this surgery and we don't even know what the outcome will be. But how many of you know God will bring you through? Do I have a testimony that God gets in the surgery room? Woo! Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. 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 Just just testify to your neighbor or if you're watching online, put it in the chat. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Jesus. He's a God that heals. He's a God that heals. And if you're sick, he wants to heal you. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Second Samuel, the 11th chapter, and we'll read the first verse, and then we'll skip over to the 12th chapter and read a few verses there. Second Samuel, the 11th chapter, and the first verse. Out of deference to the word, would you mind standing for the honor of the Lord? And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle. At the time when kings go forth to battle that David, King David, sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David, Terry still at 
Jerusalem. And it came to pass, I'm just going to read the second verse too. And at the evening tide, because David went to bed, that David rose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. Skip over with me to the 12th chapter, 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter, and I think I'll start at the 20th verse. 2 Samuel 12, 20. Then David arose from the earth. Somebody say, and washed. And anointed himself. You can say that too. And anointed himself. And changed his apparel. And came into the house of the Lord. And worshipped. Then he came to his own house. When he had required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Verse 21. Then said his servant unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive. But when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. Verse 22, and he said, or verse 22, and he said, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me, that the child may live? And finally, verse 23, but now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. If you will repeat the subject of my lesson to your neighbor or type it in the chat, just say, neighbor, you can proceed to the route. You may be seated. You can proceed to the route. When you are born, you look like your parents. But when you die, you look like your decisions. Let me say that again. When you are born, you look like your mama and your daddy. But when you die, you look like your decisions. Your decisions are often a product of who you believe that you are. Many of us believe that who we are has everything to do with how we started. If we started poor, we live with a poor man or poor woman's mentality. 
If we didn't have a father, we live or grapple with the idea that we do not have the capacity to be a good father or parent. We can become prisoners of a bad start. Let me say that again. We can become prisoners of a bad start. Sometimes people around us will hold us accountable for bad decisions. There are companies that make millions of dollars over the fact that we live with regret. And if we are not careful, we will allow regret to shape the trajectory of our lives. We can be prisoners of bad decisions. It was 20 years ago, but they're still holding it over my head. The church has further emphasized this culture because when y'all, myself included, get up to testify, often our testimonies are all about all the stuff that God got us out of that wasn't our fault. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We testify about how they did us wrong and God came to our rescue. But rarely do we hear testimonies where we are the reason that it happened. It was my fault. I messed up. I had a bad start. One of the quintessential challenges in the church that provides some, somewhat a gap generationally is that there are those of us who have matured in the gospel. We know the culture of church. We know how to look. We know how to talk at church. We know how to uh, be sanctimonious and pious. We've got the look down. We've got the talk down. We've got all this stuff. And we have a generation of people who come to church Sunday by Sunday. They watch us. They watch what we do. They watch how we act. And they have no idea that we ourselves also had a bad start. Mm. We want people to believe that who we are is how we show up on Sunday morning. I was born like this. Healed and, 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 and whole and, and, and rich and wealthy. That's the, the, the way that we want people to believe that we uh, came into this thing. But how many of you are willing to admit that you didn't start everything the right way? I see some hands. Thank you, Holy Ghost. How many of you are willing to admit, admit that, 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 that maybe you weren't the best husband or the best wife in the beginning? Hmm. How many of you are willing to admit that maybe you weren't the best mother or father in the beginning? You, you, how many of you are willing to admit that maybe you weren't the best preacher or missionary in the beginning? Yo, you've been on the job 20 years, but how many of you admit when you first started you stole the man's time? 
took some of the, 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 the pens and the, the tablets from the, the, the work closet for your own personal use. You sanctified now. You holy and set apart. But you had a bad start. Thank you, Holy Ghost. How many of you admit that you had a bad start? If we can get the folks that had a bad start to testify to those who are suffering in silence, who are wondering whether they can overcome the, the, the difficulty of the decision that they made, everybody's married and happy, and, 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 and how do I deal with the fact that I had a baby out of wedlock? And there's some married folks that have some kids that are older than their marriage. Hmm? We have a problem in church because what we present is so pretty, it's like a Hallmark movie. You know, it's a, it's a protagonist and some handsome, somebody comes and saves the day and this is what it looks like. We package everything because we want people to believe that this is what church is about. It transforms you. It takes good people and makes them better. But what about those of us who were bad? You know... I thank God that and I, and I, 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 the Lord has allowed me to uh, walk in my singleness as someone who, after they got saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, decided not to have premarital sex anymore. And I thank God for that. I'm testifying. I thank God for that. You can clap. That's hard. That's hard. And, 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 and to be honest, I, 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 I never really had any examples of what it meant to, to, to be holy and unmarried. Oh, we got a marriage ministry. Y'all are doing a beautiful job. I'm going to show up in my sweater yesterday. And I would have beat Deacon Tish and a deacon Whitfield in there, if they want. And, uh, but sometimes we don't see a place for ourselves because everything that is presented is so perfect. It's so packaged. So pretty. And it's not really the real thing. It's a facade. We, 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 Elder Smith, we build entire ministries on facades. We want a, 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 a book cover life. And, and, and guess what? Every time we push and build upon this a facade, we cause the world to believe that there's no room for them in the gospel. But the gospel is inclusive. Let me get to my notes. The gospel is inclusive. Listen, on Thanksgiving, I've gone to, usually I go to Washington to be with my family and decided to 
stay in uh, California and um, drove to visit my aunt in Richmond. I have an aunt in Richmond, I don't know if you know her. And uh, I didn't put her address in GPS because I'm grown, I know everything. I know how to get there. Don't nobody tell me that I don't know how to get there. I've been going there, I know how to get there. So I don't need to put it in the GPS. This is me having an argument with myself. And so I'm driving, driving, I'm 80 or whatever the freeway is. And uh, I see the exit I'm going to take. So I get off on the exit. And things don't look familiar. I'm seeing Dollar Trees and, and grocery outlets. I said, this is not the exit. So. I pulled myself together, and I texted my cousin. I said, cousin, I'm lost. And I don't want to admit it, because I didn't come to Auntie's house so many times. I really shouldn't be lost, because I know the way. Why would I get, why, how do you get lost when you know the way? So it took my ego a little time to adjust to the fact that I needed a little help. Send me Auntie's address. I know how to get there, I just, just want the address. <laughs> so, just in case. Memory fails me, okay? It's not because I don't know, it's because I, I just, just in case. So I typed the address in my phone, connected to my car, telling me, do this, do this, do this, do this, go this way, I'm progressing. And out of the corner of my eye, because you know, I got some attention issues, right? So at the corner of my eye, I see a Safeway. And I said, ooh, I'm gonna go in there and get Auntie a poinsettia. So I'm in there, I got a poinsettia, I got some eggnog, some apple cider, I got some double chocolate cookies, I'm ready for the day and the, and the night, okay? I got everything I need. And I keep hearing my phone. And I said, I kept on the stuff, I put the stuff on the register, got the phone. Uh oh, here we go. Put the stuff on the register counter, and my phone keeps saying, proceed to the route. Proceed to the route. Proceed to the route. Proceed to the route. So I'm thinking to myself, if I turn this off, I don't know where I'm going. I don't need no help. But I had did, I had typed it in my phone. I said to myself, if I turn this off now, then eventually I'll, I'll need it again. So I'm just gonna keep it on. Proceed to the route. People around me are like, could you turn that off? <laughs> <laughs> you know, proceed to the route, proceed to the route. And I started thinking, y'all, about how it, 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 science and technology works. My phone is so wise that it realized that I was going in a different direction, opposite from where I was supposed to be going. And at first it was just, proceed to the route. Proceed to the route. Proceed to the route. But the deeper I got in the safe way, proceed to the route. Proceed to the route. Proceed to the route. Proceed to the route. The farther I got away from the direction that my phone believed that I was supposed to go, it kept telling me, proceed to the route, proceed to the route, proceed to the route. I want y'all to just put that in your back pocket. I'll be back to that. I'll be back. Let me tell you about our text. We have heard 
the story of Bathsheba and David a thousand times. But let me present it to you in perhaps a different context that you have not, or maybe you've thought about it before, but maybe you have not. In the 12th chapter, in the first verse, there is something key that you have to pay attention to. It says that, 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 when the year had expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, David took a nap. Now, 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 do you realize that if, first of all, let me just back up to say, Israel was under a theocracy. A theocracy is when God is in charge and he speaks through a man, a judge, a prophet. But Israel started to think, wait a minute, everybody with a king beats the Philistines. And we ain't got a king and we always losing. So they said, give us a king. So the intention of a king is not to be uh, or, 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 or endowed with purple and, 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 and crowns. The intention of a king in this context is to win battles. Now follow me. So in the year when, the, 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 in the season when kings were supposed to be going to battle, David sent Joab. In the year and the season when kings are supposed to be going to battle, David sends Joab. And, 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 and it's men's day, so allow me to say this. It's important that men know the importance of showing up. Because, you, you, you know, and I'm not talking about just showing up to church on Sunday. We need men to show up at PTA meetings. It, 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 we need men to show up at prayer meetings. So, so in, the, in the season when kings were supposed to go to battle, the David decides that he's going to do his own thing. And the Bible says he goes to sleep and wakes up and goes on the roof and sees Bathsheba. If he would have been where he was supposed to be, then he would not have ever gone on the roof and seen Bathsheba. Context. You need that context. And so, and so the Bible says that he sees Bathsheba, he inquires who she was, and they said, oh, that's, that's Uriah the Hittite's wife. You can't have her. And David said, I'm the king. Bring her here. And the next thing you know, they got a baby on the way. David, a man after God's own heart, got a baby on the way, by impregnating one of the soldiers who's, supposed to, who's out in battle fighting for him. Somebody said, this is a mess. This is a mess. And, and how many of you know sin is pervasive? So once you start a little bit, you know, you know, just, you, you, you're in trouble. That would have been the perfect opportunity to just say, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. Shouldn't have did it. Should have left that sheep alone. I'm sorry. Forgive me. God forgive me. And moved on. But David said, no, you know what? 
Let me see how I can fix this because I'm powerful. Because sometimes we confuse our power, we misuse it to manage situations. You, you can't blind God. You, you can't trick God. You can't trick God. And so he says, oh, well, somebody go get Uriah from the battle. And what I'll do is I'll have Uriah, I'll get him good and drunk, feed him some good steak and meat, and then I'll send him home to Bathsheba's house and it'll be his baby. But Uriah was more honorable than David. Uriah came back and said, nah. If the rest of the soldiers ain't getting none, I ain't getting none either. Now, now, context, think about it. We're not talking about no ugly woman. They said Bathsheba was bad. So bad that her beauty was visible from across the way. David sees she was bad on top of the roof. And, and she was Uriah's wife. And, uh, and, they got, and, and David got him all drunk and said, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Uriah was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm a soldier first. She'll be my wife when the war is over. I'm not going. So David came up with another plan. He finally realized that Uriah wasn't giving up. So Uriah, he says, send Uriah back to the war and put him on the front line and make sure he's killed. Uriah dies. So David done killed Uriah, got Bathsheba pregnant, and he probably thinks problem solved. That's what he probably thought. That's what I would have thought. Woo, thank you. Escape that one. <laughs> right? And, and he must have been doing what kings do. And the Bible says that the prophet Nathan showed up. And Nathan said, it's a rich man and a poor man, and they both had a goat. Let's say a goat, all right? And the rich man had a whole bunch of goats, and the poor man had one goat, and, 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 and somebody came from out of town and was hungry, and the rich man said, take the poor man's goat and eat that. And the Bible said that the righteous indignation that was inside of David rose up. He said, who's that? Who would do that? Bring them here. They're going to die today. I'm going to kill him dead. And then the poor man going to get four times the amount of goats that he lost. And Nathan was like, you the man. You the man. You are the one. And guess what? Not only that, you're going to have to deal with the consequences of your decision. So what's going to happen is the baby that's inside of Bathsheba is going to die. The baby's going to die. And the Bible says that David grapples with that. So much to grapple. So much pain in this story. What was it like to be Bathsheba? Probably uh, the, the product of the time that they were living in, where she didn't have as many choices as we think she did. What was it like to be her, to be pregnant with another man's baby after you lost your husband in a war? And then David, 
Who could he call? Who could he talk to that could empathize with him? It was his fault. Who could he call and say, pray for me? Probably couldn't call none of the women. Y'all even know what that means. Some of the fellas looking like, mm-mm. Uh, <laughs> David, mm-mm. Who could he call? And for all intents and purposes, David suffers in silence. Nobody to console him. Nobody to encourage him. Nobody to say, ah, oh, it'll be okay. Nobody in the Bible says that David falls to the ground, he fasts and he mourns, even before the baby dies. And when the baby dies, the servants are afraid to tell him. And the Bible says that David perceives that the baby is dead. And, and it's, it's interesting because I started putting myself in the position of David. If you are being honest with yourself, what would you do? You had all this power, you messed it up, you took another man's wife, you had the man killed, your baby died, you're already feeling bad because you said that you deserve to die, according to what you told the prophet Nathan. There's no rebounding from here. What a life of depression that he could choose to live. That's some of us. We made a bad choice. We had a bad season in life. And we didn't have nobody to talk to about it. The people who knew would probably judge us. We're living in shame, and the people who do know, sometimes we're, 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 they're, they're leveraging the mistake that we made to control us. Wife get a car every two years. The husband cheated 16 years ago. Nobody to talk to, to explain our, our part, what happened. And to add insult to injury, I'm the king because I was supposed to be at battle. And I didn't go. Where do I go from now, from here? It's interesting because when David finds out that his baby is dead, he makes a very interesting decision. He doesn't get up and plan a funeral. He, 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 he doesn't get up and try to get his servants to have a pity party with them. The Bible says that he gets up Washes his face, puts a little deodorant on, being a little facetious, pulls himself together, 
takes his own clothes off. You know how many decisions these are? Takes his old clothes off and puts on his new clothes and goes to the house of the Lord for worship. And when he's done at the house of the Lord for worship, he comes back to his house. And everybody around him is confused. Just yesterday, you was laying on the ground, fasting, wouldn't eat, wouldn't talk. What happened? And David said, well, when the baby was alive, I prayed and I fasted. Because I thought to myself, there's a chance that God could raise the baby up. But when the baby died, I realized that it was too far gone for me to be dealing with that regret. And so I picked myself up, washed my face, went to praise the Lord, and decided I'm going to proceed to the route. You know, you can be on the wrong path, and it can be your fault. You did it. And nobody else around you will allow you the opportunity to say, God forgave me. But God wanted me to tell somebody this morning that your redemption has nothing to do with naysayers. Your, your, your freedom is disconnected from people who judge you because of the decision that you made. Wash your face. Get it together. It was your fault, but you can still revive yourself from a bad decision. So David decides. Somebody say decides. That he does not have to be a victim of his decisions. What have you decided? What have you decided? What have you decided? Then, that's not where the story ends. I'm telling y'all what the Bible says, so if this is an adult, Message, all right? After David washed himself up and went to church and had a good time, the Bible says he went and consoled Bathsheba. Who am I talking to? It was a bad decision. It was a bad start. But we married now. Somebody said, we married now. And the Bible says that David went in to be with Bathsheba. And they had another baby. Now, the first baby was a problem, but they married now. And they had another baby, and they named the baby Solomon. Y'all know Solomon? The wisest king that ever lived? 
How can he be the product of, uh, of David and Bathsheba, Uriah, Uriah's wife? And the Bible says not only was Solomon special, but God loved Solomon. Do you know that God can love something that you produce even after you made a mistake? David proceeded to the route, decided that he could change the trajectory of his life, made it right with his wife. And the Bible says that he gets a call from Joab. Remember Joab, chapter 11, verse 1, in the season when kings go to battle, David sent Joab. If you read it down there in the final verses of the 12th chapter, the Bible says that Joab said, tell David that we're down here in Amman and, and, and we've done all I can do. And essentially I've set us up for victory. But if I close out the battle, they'll give me credit. You're the king, you come and close the battle. And you know what David did? He proceeded to the root. He said, I started off bad. It was my fault. I could have made better choices. But when God gives me the opportunity to start over, when God gives me the grace to make a better decision, Nobody's going to beat me at making that decision. And nobody's going to make me feel bad about my past. It happens. It's over. And God has more for me. I'm more than what I went through. I'm more than what happened to me. I'm more than what I did to myself. You know, now that I have a better understanding of David's experience, you know what scripture started to make a lot of sense to me? Philippians 1 and 6. Now I've been reading that verse and we've been quoting it and we've been saying it, but now I understand that when the scripture says that he who hath begun a good work in me shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's still working on me. Why should I be bound by what happens when God's plan for me is bigger? Huh? John 8 and 36, if the Son has set you free, you are not just free. You are free indeed. You are free Indeed, everyone standing. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is the way of death. And when we receive a word from the Lord, it is an invitation 
to stop going the wrong way and course correct. And I say that to say that whether you're saved or unsaved, if you had a bad start or you're on the wrong path, the Lord wants you to know this morning that you can get back on track. That you do not have to be a product of the decision that you made. That God can restore you. I said this at the beginning and I'm going to say it again. When we are born, we look like our parents. But when we die, we look like our decisions. The best decision that you can make that will trump any other decision that you have ever made is to give your life to Jesus Christ. That's the best decision that you could ever make. If you decide to give your life to Jesus, you will be free from any condemnation that the world puts on you. And this morning, this is your opportunity. If you are here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we're just going to ask you to slip up your hands. If you're here and you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, and you want to give your life to Christ, you want to make the most important decision of your life. His arms are open for you to make that decision. If you're here, just slip up your hand. Everyone else should be praying. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give God praise that everybody is saved. Now I want to pray for those of us who are saved. And maybe you have struggled with some regret. Maybe you're battling with something that happened to you or something that you did or, 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 or whatever it might be. And you just decided that you just want to get on the right track and you want to be in good standing with God. You want to do his will. You want to walk in his purpose. You recognize that your steps are ordered by him. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith over your life <coughs> this morning. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for the privilege to hear and understand and interpret your word. We pray, God, for every person under the sound of my voice who may have struggled with a bad decision, a bad season in life. And maybe there's somebody in their life that holds that season over their head. But most importantly, God, maybe they haven't forgiven themselves. God, I pray that you will cause them to know in their spirit that when you set them free, when they repented, when they confessed that God you responded by allowing them to live in a new freedom. Touch their hearts. Touch their minds. Encourage them. Minister to their need, Father God. Cause them to know that you love them and that you have a purpose and a plan and a future for them. 
and that they can even use the thing that they triumphed over as a part of their testimony to expand the gospel across their platforms and their influence. We thank you for healing our hearts. We thank you for healing our minds. We thank you, God, that we know that you are a God that forgives us and that there's no condemnation because we are resting in you. Thank you for healing us through your love. We praise you, we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Oh